Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vettel, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome, welcome to episode 54 of the Level Up Latina podcast. Muchachonas, I hope you're all doing well. Great. Today we have a very special guest. We have Silvia Banderas Kofinet. Silvia is a publisher and chief brand officer at Hola USA Media Group. ¿Cómo estás, Silvia? Muy bien y feliz de estar con ustedes. Muchas gracias. I'm so happy to be here with you. Likewise, we're excited to have you. Silvia is a true American Latina success story who has beat the odds. She received her undergraduate degree in Latino studies and Spanish literature from Columbia University and completed the publishing school for professionals program at Stanford University. Mirala. And at just 35, she's been recognized by Forbes as a trailblazing Latina executive in media. Silvia worked tirelessly on authentic representation and telling positive and uplifting stories about Latinas. Her seasoned background includes working with people in Espanol, Latina, Glamour, and Town and & Country. Silvia lives in New York with her husband, daughter, and two adorable dogs. Híjole, Silvia, tienes una carrera impresionante. But before we delve into that, tell us a bit about your background and upbringing. We understand you were born in Mexico, no? I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. On both of my parents' sides, our lineage is from Guadalajara. We have very deep roots there. I consider myself a tapatía through and through. Ajua. Um, <laughs> And uh, because of my family's mixed status, I lived there and moved to L.A. to work. And I stayed and I lived with my grandmother. So I grew up in Guadalajara until I was six. I see. And then so you were six when you first arrived in the U.S.? That's correct. My mother was able to reunite our family uh, when I was six. And she came back for me. We had we crossed together. As I mentioned, I, I didn't have papers, which is why we were separated. We settled in East LA, where I grew up and <laughs> very much still consider my hood from a cultural so. standpoint. It is a really wonderful place to, to grow up. No doubt so much of my pride and my heritage comes from growing up in East LA. Mexican culture there is everywhere. And I cherish the traditions, everything from the food, the music, everything. Uh, above all, I, I would say it was a community full of very hardworking people. Uh, we learned to be respectful, to contribute to our family, to our community. And I'm very, very proud of my roots. Eso que ni que. L- LA, I envy all three of you a little bit because I grew up here in Northern California. So I didn't, I don't have all that like that, you know, like the little Mexico that you all have. So un poquito envidia de la buena. A ver, Silvia, tell us a little bit about your challenges growing up as a as an immigrant daughter. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is my father was, is still, para ser honesta, machista, es muy, es muy machista. And specifically as an immigrant daughter, one of the things I remember the most was the way that my brother and I were treated so differently. So it was, you know, I was often expected to um, clean, cook, serve my brother, you know, hazle unas quesadillas a tu hermano. Sírvele a tu hermano primero. Sí. Tu hermano dejó los trastes. For me, that was one of the hardest things about our dynamic as a family was the, the big difference in how my father treated me versus my brother. And these dynamics played out to the detriment of, of all because this behavior resulted in me becoming more and more self-sufficient and my brother less so. Um, so... There is a danger, you know, in that. And also, I would say for more than anything, what it has done for me is that it, it 
brought me up to feel like growing up, there was this culture of, you know, women to, to the men in the family. And as I got older and realized how wrong that was, I think I became very intolerant of it. And that has made it so that I have specific sensitivity to injustice and inequality, not just in the sexes, but in general. We recently had a conversation about the the machismo and the the gender roles that we play within our culture, and that was one of the main one of the main things we talked about. That really, when we put so much focus on the on the mujer, the, the la niña que haga todo, sí. it really creates these self sufficient, thriving women. It's it's not like we're upset or angry. We're just like, well, lo puedo hacer todo, and what may, if I can do it all at home, what makes me feel I can't do it anywhere else? Luckily, we happened. We we mentioned how we're we're now all married, and we thankfully have self sufficient husbands that, in one way or another, se les agarró la onda también, uh, being able to move away from home, being able to take care of themselves, and now bring that to our families instead of just being like, no, yeah, we're going to go back to the real, the worlds that we lived and we grew up with in our culture. We're going to contribute. So it's really interesting that you bring it up because it's, it's a tale that we all live, but at the same time, it makes us that much stronger. Absolutely. Eso, eso sí, tomarlo por el lado amable, for sure. Pero al, como todo, everything is a muscle, right? So the more that is expected of us, the more we're going to deliver. So in a way it is a good thing. But I mean, with the second generations now, I would hope that there would be healthier ways to instill right. this in them without also instilling in them the mindset that potentially they are subservient to another sex. Definitely. There's definitely a danger in that. Yeah. I think our duties now as mothers, I, I don't have sons, but pero como Irene y Vero, like just teaching them like, okay, parejo, chores all around, right? Sí. No nomás, no más las niñas. Exactly. Yeah. Silvia, y, a ver, tell us a little bit about like what sparked your interest in pursuing uh, the publishing field. Honestly, it was a fluke at first. I thought because of my background and, and my history growing up undocumented, I really wanted to do law school and I wanted to specifically do immigration law, but life had different plans for me. And I had a couple of jobs, obviously, through college to put myself through school. And one of my jobs was tutoring. And it turns out that one of my students was a big time publisher at Condé Nast. We didn't really talk about his work very often. But one day he just said to me like, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm thinking about going to law school. He's like, you should take a break and work. And really, before you dive in, it's a big commitment to go to law school. Um, and if you're not doing it for the sake of an intellectual pursuit that is defined specifically for the love of law, you seem to be doing it because you you have a an experience. You should just go work, go out there, experience work, and then if you still feel this passion, you know that was his advice, and it was very good advice. Within a week, I, I started doing some research on the top publishers, so Condé Nast at the time, rest in peace, but at the time, Time Inc. And I applied, and within a week, I got a call, and People Magazine uh, called me. I went in to to apply. And I got the job and it, it just, my whole career shifted from there. It kicked off my journey from people. I was, I, I think one of the very few Latinas at the time there, uh, shortly after another assistant came along and she's still in the media world, Evelyn Melendez. It was just her and I, it was, it stood out because we became very close because 
around the water cooler. We were the the ones that couldn't talk about our country home or Connecticut. You know, we just we just bonded very quickly. What I can say is that I've had a very fun and exciting career journey um, that kicked off from people. Then I I worked at the IMG the Daily selling the mini. Then I worked at Town and Country, worked my way up there through several promotions. From Town and Country, I went to Latina. And Latina was really a very special shift for me. It was coming home. It was all of a sudden understanding that not only did I have a potential career, but I also had a purpose. Because when I was able to speak about the Latina market in in a way from my own experience, the research was just exciting to me. Everything felt rich and colorful and like I could finally relate. Um, So it was basically going from black and white to color vision. Latina changed everything. From there, I went to Glamour. Glamour was also really very important just because while it was short-lived because I got got recruited into people in Espanol very quickly, I worked with some of the most creative and brilliant professionals. At the time, Glamour was the cash cow of uh, um, Condé Nast. And so you, you know, you were exposed, even just through osmosis to super talented folks. From there, I went to people in Espanol got recruited. That was really great too. people in Espanol was an experience that I loved just as much, but I, it wasn't the same because it wasn't a market that I could relate to specifically, but it was a market I knew growing up, especially in East LA with my grandparents. You know, it was kind of like Univision, Telemundo, and people in Espanol was where the two came together. Um, and then eventually I took this job, which came up um, while I was at People uh, in Espanol. And I thought feel like my entire career prepared me to take on the role at Ola. So by the time I got to this role, um, every experience I've had and forged, whether it was a town and country or at Latina, the combination is uh, what has made this journey very fulfilling. Well, it definitely sounds fascinating. What would you say really made it possible for you to like climb that ladder and, you know, move from one place to another, like so easily, it sounds like. Well, it sounds like it, but really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's never an easy venture. No, never. No, nothing worth doing is easy, right? It was yeah. old fashioned work, hard work, discipline, mm-hmm. intellectual horsepower, and above all things, an iron will to succeed. For many years, I, I was the first one in the office and the last one out. I would always say yes to every extra project. I did a lot of learning, taking on volunteering, putting in more to just hone my craft. You know, everything is ultimately practice. Essentially, practice does make perfect. And it isn't that like even the Beatles, you know, came together as the Beatles. It was because they practiced so, so much that they they were so stellar. And I think that that's the, the takeaway. You also, I would say you have to be very brave and take calculated risks. I I never settled. I never did the easy list or the easy, took the easy clients or the easy project. I always took on the challenges because that's how you grow. That's how you learn. And as the saying goes, rough seas make a stronger sailor. Also, I think one of the things that helped me a lot was I took feedback very seriously and very well. 
I was never afraid to to take on criticism or hear out. I, I always wanted to know, like, thank you for telling me I did that well. What could I do better? You know, I that was very important to me. Um, I think that if I had not allowed that of myself, I would have robbed myself of so many lessons because people are happy to give you usually the positive. They're, you have to really dig and be self-aware and go out of your way to to get the lesson and not, and not be afraid of making mistakes because again, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And also for me, I would say that the last thing is as a leader, I really understand that you work for the people you support. Like it's not the other way around. And that has made me win a lot of friends along my journey, whether it's client partners or whether it's, you know, um, even people that report into me. When there is a genuine relationship, when you as a leader serve the people that you're supposed to lead, they come along in a much more genuine way, in a much more fluid way. And the dynamic just flows better. And that has given me the opportunity to take on roles confidently because I knew that I could bring people with me that had my back and not, you know, not a lot of people bother to, to think about their own people versus just their careers. Your career isn't made up of just you. You don't want to be the person who climbs on top of others' shoulders. You want to be the person who people lift up. That's something I figured out really early, not always because I had the best examples, but because I didn't. I learned from that too. I think that's really important because you need to build that team, right? You need to have that group of people around you that not only will do the work because they, that's their job, but because they see that you have provided that sense of ownership to them. You believe in them and you've given them the ticket to be like, here, wear your wings, fly and do the work and I will support you. And then you have people that are like, I'm not just working for this, let's say this, this media outlet. I'm working for Silvia. And I want to do my best for Celia because she does everything she can to teach me, to bring me up and let me know that I can grow. And if one day I need to move on and grow, I have learned from her and I will be appreciative of her in the sense you've helped build these people up, which is great. I think a, a lot of people, like you mentioned, lose track of that. Yeah, it's so important. And it's also really rewarding. It's one of the best parts. Like, I think... I noticed very early on that there just wasn't a lot of multicultural people. There weren't a lot of Latinas in a lot of the places I worked, you know, at town and country, I was the only Latina. I having experienced this made me aware that if, if I could go through a door, my job and moral obligation is to hold it open for the next girl or the next guy, you know? Um, and to take that seriously because It is a, a privilege and it's also a privilege to, to help and to make a positive difference. And it's, it, it makes a career much, much more rewarding. With that being said, was it a difficult decision for you? You've been working hard. You've been, you know, growing your, your resume and your experience and you're, you're doing all these great things. Did it become, was it a challenge to decide, you know, and now I want to start a family or I want to get married. I want to be able to develop my personal life along with my professional life. Was that a difficult decision for you? I have to say, I didn't, I didn't process it that way because to be really frank with you, I was so in the day-to-day -day of my career. I wasn't the person who was 
the most excited about having kids for a very long time. I thought maybe I wouldn't have kids, you know, because I was so, so focused on, on my career and professional journey. However, when I did fall in love and I met the right guy, everything changed. And, and I think that it was to my benefit that it wasn't something I was focused on. It was something that kind of just happened. And I was very lucky that way. And one of the things that did make me fall in love with, you know, my husband, Christoph, is that he was always so supportive. Like he was never ever about his career versus mine. No, he was very much like you, you're very good at what you do. And I respect you because you're very good at what you do. And he always, always had my back. Christoph always supported me. And that helped me realize like, you know, I, I do want a family. And at some point, as you start to just go through life, you realize there's way more to the joy of like, achievement is wonderful. Careers are great. But ultimately, what I have found the most joy and pleasure in is being with my family, building a family, building a home life. And, and, and it's such a big and rich part of what, who I am now. And that was not a plan. It just kind of happened. I mean, it's, oh, it's wonderful. It's great. You're the publisher and the chief brand officer at Ola USA. How does a day in the life of the publisher and chief brand officer of Ola look with being a momager and a professional? How does that look like for you, Silvia? Well, it's definitely, let's say there's no one day that's ever the same. Some days call for a focus on strategic vision and planning of our business. Others day, other days, it's about thinking about new products, new offerings for our clients and partners. Um, some days are going on a set and overseeing a client interactions for a branded campaign that we're working on or mentoring, advising a team, you know, there, there's, or even our partners, there's because in multicultural media, there's just a lot of an education that takes place. I think for me, it's never been really a balance per se, because to me, balance just is not really attainable. There, there's, it doesn't work like that for me. Life, I look at it as a pendulum, and I've spoken about this a few times before, but it really, for me, that's what it is. Some days, the pendulum just needs to swing a little bit more to work. And some days, your kid is sick and nothing else matters and the pendulum needs to be focused on your family life and your home life. I think the the trick is knowing when to go which direction and making sure that when you are there you're very present. Like for me, I always have quality time even if I don't have a lot of quantity of time. I make my time count. That I think has actually improved. I, I would say overall, I'm a more efficient human as a mother than I've ever been because time just matters more. I think parents in general make really wonderful employees in this sense because we understand the value of 15 minutes. You can get a lot done in 15 minutes. I'm like, girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that if, for me, that's been a big and valuable lesson that it's not going to be perfect and balance is not always feasible. And you can have a very strong and demanding career and you can still be a present wife and mother and sister and friend. And part of that is understanding that that is life. That, that is what you want. Ultimately, 
if you're just succeeding in a career, you're not succeeding at life, it's not an ideal situation. Yeah, I think you make an excellent point there that you have to just know when and you slowly get there. Like I'm a new mom. You know, when you mentioned you didn't plan on having a family, I definitely didn't. And all mine were a surprise. Three. Three under yeah. three, no? Yeah. Life like, just great. really happened. <laughs> so, Wow. For me, it's not going to be this busy always. So right now, the, like you mentioned, the pendulum swing. And it's it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm like, it's like a light bulb went off. I'm like, it's true. Not knowing that you do need that, but that it's all comes with, it's not going to be a perfect balance, but you do need those people in your life. You do need that time for yourself to develop professionally, obviously. And then you put time for your family and time for your friends and just time for yourself. Be efficient with your time. Quality, como dijo Silvia. When did this idea of running the nation's top media brand like really come to your mind? And how did you make that a reality? Well, as I mentioned, falling into publishing wasn't something I planned for. It, it kind of happened in, in the most um, organic way. And the world of publishing was one that for me was completely new because growing up in, in East LA, I, I read magazines, but it wasn't it wasn't a common job. If you think about media in general, a lot of when I moved into New York and started working in media, one of the things I realized is that it's very hard to break into media if you are not from a fairly affluent family. Why? Because the opening jobs, because it's considered kind of like a glamour job, the, the entry level jobs pay very, very little. So when I started, I made a deal with myself, like I'm going to <laughs> take the job for less than a year and I'm going to subsidize my existence with my credit card. The base was so low. Most people you know, could afford, mom, if mom and dad are paying your rent, you can afford to work in media. But that wasn't the case for me. So what I did was I made myself, gave myself that challenge. And then I said, I can parlay this job opportunity to immediately begin a career and then make base level salary that was livable. So I think at the time when I started, I was making like $23,000, which is... Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's like sales, poverty level or below poverty. Yeah. Sales assistants don't get paid that much, but mm. you jump very quickly. And so... It, it, I, it's something I realized like, wow, one of the hardest parts it's of why we don't have enough representation is because these glamour jobs, these creator jobs, they're harder to break into. If you come out of school with a lot of debt and then get into it, it's not easy. So there is so much power in media because media is the vehicle that tells our stories. And if we're not telling our own stories, then we don't have a seat at the table. Then the stories that we need to tell for our children to see themselves mm -hmm. are not being told. And so it became a mission and a purpose for me. It wasn't just a career path. I think it really matters that we see ourselves in a positive way that when a little girl sees a magazine and opens it, it's not just women that she doesn't see herself in. It's not going to a website and only seeing 
the same type of unattainable trips that that you know maybe you've never been able to travel. I think, or or just even the lack of stories. I, I read a statistic that really bothered me, and it stayed with me. You know, we're Latinos are almost twenty percent of the population in the United States, but they represent like in terms of television, movies, lead lead characters, less than three percent, and of that, more than half are criminal roles. That's a problem. Thank you for taking it on. I don't want anything to be lost from what you just yes. shared. And I want the moment to be felt and experienced. And Silvia, it's so true. You went into this. You understood your upbringing. You're from East LA. You understand that the stories are not our stories. And if they are, they're criminalized. It's the maid. It's the babysitter. It's the thug. It's it's this image that right now in this climate, that is the problem. It's the idea that those that get into these industries... Mm -hmm. They have a different image of themselves. Like you said, parents are paying their rent. They break through. They break the cycle. They get to have a different image projected of them. And then they're the ones in the industry. It's like this perpetual cycle. So I want to thank you for being strategic, Silvia. And you said, I'm going to use my credit card. I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to get into this industry. I'm going to get paid when I'm going to get paid. And I'm going to subsidize. And I think that was brilliant of you because you had to do what you had to do as opposed to letting the door just kind of slam in your face because you can afford to be in that industry. You took the pay that you had to take and you worked your way up. So for the young Latinas that are listening or just young women that are listening, that's our tip of the day. We always like to give a tip of the day. And the tip of the day is that sacrifices must be made. And Sylvia is a wonderful example of had she not decided to take that pay cut, find a way to make it happen, which I'm sure was a lot of sacrifice, these doors wouldn't have opened. So on that note, I want to ask, what advice do you give other Latinas that want to pursue media publishing that, that, that see themselves in this already? I know for you, it happened organically, and you've talked about that. But if there's other women that are listening to this and so excited about this career path, what's your advice to them? Definitely try to get an internship, especially early on. The best way in is while you're still in school, and you can afford to to take on uh, almost like an internship role um, also so that you have a little bit of experience so your resume does stand out and you're more competitive. A lot of organizations have internship opportunities. Also, now I think one of the coolest things about media is just a bit more um, available because of social media and for example, this amazing podcast, there is a sense that while traditional media has its place, you don't just have to rely on traditional media anymore. If it's something you want to do and you like, you can't find your way into break in traditionally, no, no te dejes, don't give up. Whether it's start a podcast with your friend, put in the time that ultimately can pay off in many different ways. Or if, if that's not an option, your personal blog is important. You're, it's your own brand. People are going to look at that when you interview. If you see yourself as a content creator, if you see yourself as a platform, never underestimate the value of your social media as your personal platform and what it says about who you are and what you care about and where you you stand on a lot of things. You know, it's it, it's it's... It's an important tool, but above all, make sure that you you really, that you want to do it for the right reasons. A lot of people think that media is very glamorous. It isn't. Sometimes 
especially in the beginning, it's just a lot of hard grunt work. It's going and loading and unloading things for a shoot. You don't begin by interviewing JLo. You know, you you really start from the bottom and work your way up. So you don't I, get to work with Anna Winter, really? I don't. <laughs> that's my media career. Um, I think one time I had to run out of an elevator that she was coming in because she didn't like to share elevators and everything. Oh Lord! Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, Mira, no más. But it is a lot of grunt work. It is. A, you have to be okay putting in the time. You have to be okay making sure that you give your best. I love that. I love those awesome nuggets. You've been giving us so much great advice throughout the entire podcast. And I just keep thinking about those that get to work for you, like how lucky they are. And now you manage a team of, I think it's about 40 employees and you've given us so many nuggets. And I can only imagine that you are providing the same support to them. And just like you said, it's a give and take and some days are hard days and it's a pendulum swing. I imagine it's the same way with a team and now you're the boss. And what's it like to manage these folks and what's your management style? Because I love that you started where you started and now you are where you are. And that journey of becoming someone's boss is an interesting sort of nuance. It's very different than starting your career, doing it on your own terms, making sacrifices. One day you're the one that folks report to. You're the one that folks look to guidance for. Earlier in the podcast, you said some of this I learned with the wrong example, right? You learned to be a different boss. So you've touched on some of this already, but tell us a little more about your management style because our listeners might be at their point in their career where they're mid-level, they're entering these roles, they're the boss. Folks don't necessarily look like them and now they are in that role. Sure, well, for sure, there is no silver bullet. You know, every day is a new day and it's gonna be filled with new challenges. And the most important thing as a boss and even as, as anyone at any level, we show up, we speak up, we collaborate, we learn, we make mistakes, and we learn and grow together. The only steadfast rule that I have for my, my employees is that they care, that they're down for the cause, because I can teach you anything, but I can't teach you to care. And that is, as a manager, what I look for. I look for people who are purpose-driven, and who are collaborative. That combination equals success. I love that. Purpose and collaboration don't equal success. Clearly, you were noticed because of these things and these values contributed to your company and your environment and culture. So what did it feel like to be recognized by Forbes and be a trailblazing Latina executive in media? What did that feel like, that honor? <laughs> I, I still, when I read that, I'm like, wow, that, that's me? It's a deep combination of being very humbled and feeling a lot of orgullo, you know, I'm honored. It's a wonderful achievement, no no doubt, but what I love most about it is that it to me it's a reminder that my story embodies the American dream. You know, I grew up undocumented in a very working class, humble neighborhood. My story is an example of si se puede, tú puedes. Yes. Right now, this is at peril, but this idea that the American dream is real. Only in this country that I can think of, the U.S. or America, this, this sense that you can, there is a possibility for someone to work their way up with iron will to succeed and a desire to work hard that you can change your circumstances, that your circumstances will not define you. It's a reminder of that. Right now, that matters to me more than ever 
we're living in a world where I recognize that dream for the people that are coming behind behind me. Our kids are locked in cages right now. That breaks my heart. Thank you, Cindy. It's so important because it's the reality. And if and if anyone is listening to this right now, hope feels diminishing in a lot of ways when we watch the media, when we watch leadership and government, whatever your views may be. The world feels so divided. You mentioned social media earlier. And what we really need a lot of right now is hope and hard work, hope and hard work. So don't give up on that, right? That feeling that it can be done. You're an example to us. I'd say keep stunting on them and keep, (laughs) we're so honored to have you on the podcast because we can say, look at this trailblazing Latina executive in media. Look what she's doing. Look what she was able to do. It wasn't easy society may have said that there was a different story for her path and yet she worked against that and we all still want to believe in that and we all still love our country there's just so much division and heartbreak that we have to get through and it's that pendulum swing girl some days it feels like we're going to run smoothly towards our dreams and other days it feels like the world around us is literally putting kids in cages and it's heartbreaking and it's hard but don't give up if you're listening to this you know don't give up if you were 25 years old again, what, what advice would you give yourself? Now that now in hindsight, it's all really crystal clear. But back then, what would you say to that young girl that had a whole path before her that maybe it wasn't clear? I would say, why are you always in such a hurry? And where are you going so fast? Love it. <laughs> I would say focus more on the journey, less on the outcome. I was very and have always been, and I'm still working on this, It's like you climb the Mount Everest, you look around, instead of taking a beat and letting it sink in, what's next? Yes. I'm at a point now in my life where I'm wise enough to say, no, I got to take a beat. I got to relish in this and enjoy it because it's not just achievement for achievement's sake. It's achievement is wonderful and it's something I, I'm, I'm very glad that is in my DNA that I, I am an overachiever, but there's more to it. Life is, it's helping others. It's laughter with friends and family dinners and hugs that linger and the simple pleasures. I would say stay more present. Absolutely love that advice. We're learning those lessons now. You, you don't want to be 75 and say, I was moving too fast. Love that advice because I think as a young 25-year-old listening to this or anyone in their 20s, slow down, stop running towards the mountaintop. You get to the mountaintop and you keep running towards another one and just relish in the presence. So thank you for that awesome advice. And speaking of the mountaintop, tell us more about your future mountaintops. Now that we are gonna now we're gonna dream a little and get out of the present, just wonder what makes you tick. What is your vision for tomorrow? It just feels like you've accomplished so much. We're so proud to even be in your presence and learning from you. And what do you envision for yourself moving forward? Wow, there's so much to unpack there because for me, it's it's a point of pride to even be sitting here with all of you. You know, we're all in this together, right? And you having this podcast, dedicating your time in, in spite of being busy working moms, giving a platform to someone like me, that is a change. That is important. Your voices being heard, that is important. I think I want my future self to, to remember that I I lived by deep principles of kindness above all, um, decency. And I love radical candor, by the way, Kim Scott's radical candor, read it, is amazing. It really changed the way I think about leadership. That as a leader, I believe that a leader works for those that they lead, that my, my greatest accomplishment is not gonna be an award. It's gonna be raising a strong and principled woman 
and that there is magic in every day and try to find it, go out, you know, make, make time for that. Um, I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful for my past, for my, my, my present and my future. And I just want to be at a place where for once I don't feel it's my achievement that defines me. I think one of the hardest things about growing up in my circumstances was so often I shifted perceptions of self-value to things like this little piece of paper that is an award or this piece of paper that's a green card. All I can say about my future to be devoted to doing the most good I can. I want to help others. I want to raise a strong and beautiful girl. And I don't, I don't have like a big life plan right now. I think for once in my life, I'm open to taking a beat, letting the universe guide me and just feeling gratitude. COVID has schooled me <laughs> hard. It's forced me to step back and really 2020 vision, right? 2020. And you yeah. understand like I have, I have so much to be grateful for. I'm, you know, I, I have potentially another 20 to 30 years to work if I want to. Where, where do I see myself down the line if I really have to say, okay, well, I thought about it. I do see myself potentially in like a diversity and inclusion role. Oh, I love that. I, I think what I care about or that I can continue to do is continue to fight for representation. But one of the things I've learned recently is that sometimes the battle is not won in the, in the light. Sometimes it's as simple as, putting people in positions where they can really affect change. So whatever my next step is, it's going to be something that allows me to help people have a voice, tell their stories, shift perceptions. And hopefully I, I see more of us uh, taking on more powerful roles where we actually can have a say into how we are spoken of and about that that's what i want that is beautiful celia thank you so much it's very inspiring it's like you gave me the chills just to oh, think about yeah. how beautiful at the end of the day it is to just be a good person at the end of the day and just you bring up i know yeah. bring, bring up <laughs> bring up good people you know around you we're all like mesmerized like listening and watching we will not edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> leave it in, Irene. Leave it in. I know. Leave it in. No, I, we have absolutely enjoyed our time with you, with your dogs, with your daughter, with your life, with your career. <laughs> Anything else left to say, you know, please put it out there. In fact, a little self-promotion doesn't hurt. Like where can our followers find you on social media or follow your brand? I mean, tell us what to do. That's so kind of you. Thank you. Definitely check us out at Ola USA. It's Ola.com. On Instagram, it's Ola USA. Facebook, same. But I personally am always happy to connect with, with Latinas and in any way that I can help. I'm always, you know, one message away. Uh, hit up my IG. I'm, I can answer a question, make an introduction. I'm happy to connect. Um, I mean that. So I'm on... Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Sylvia Banderas Cofine. I'm also on Instagram as Sylvia Banderas Cofine. And it would be my pleasure to connect with anyone who wants to connect. 
beautiful. Talk about level up Latina. She says, I will connect. I mean it. So thank you for sharing your space, your time, your day with us. As always, our listeners can find us at level up Latina on Instagram and Facebook. And we will gladly connect you to Silvia. If you're super fired up later, you didn't catch it on the podcast. You want to send us a quick DM on social, please do that on LinkedIn, anywhere else. And if you have a question that you want to email us, a burning question about this topic, something we didn't ask Silvia, you're too shy to ask, email us. Email is admin at level up Latina com. So you know where to find us. So again, excited to have had you here with us today, sharing everything about your career, about the things that necessarily didn't come easy, about the way that you worked hard anyway. We love everything we're hearing about you wanting to break the mold and break through the barriers and bring more people along with you. Talk about Level Up Latina. So thank you for that journey, that story. You make those of us from Southern California very proud. Go East LA. Go East Love. (laughs) I know you're in New York now, but you got to represent. So please, you know, you make us very proud. Una Mexicana, Nueva York. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for being with us today. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. This is a good one. You're you're so lucky that you spent this time with us. And if you want anything else, again, you know how to find us or how to find Celia. And again, Poder a la Mujer. Thank you so much. Bye.